it is the fact that we can really change a narrative for care for the most vulnerable population. That that excites me. And we will I hope that one day we'll not repeat the same thing that caused my sister to, to die, my aunt to die. And so that's what motivates me. And it's my why, my North Star. It's why people think I'm crazy enough to build in this space and I'm a man, but I come alongside this space as an advocate. I just have a willpower to build to make sure that moms are respected throughout this, that treated with dignity throughout the entire pregnancy journey and postpartum. Let's discover what people are building in the greater Cleveland community. We are telling the stories of Northeast Ohio's entrepreneurs, builders, and those supporting them. Welcome to the Lay of the Land podcast, where we are exploring what people are building in Cleveland and throughout Northeast Ohio. I am your host, Jeffrey Stern, and today I had the absolute pleasure of speaking with Mohammed Kamara, the founder and CEO of InnovCares. Grounded in a sobering reality, the United States has the highest rates of maternal mortality in the industrialized world. And in May of 2017, having lost both his sister and his aunt to preventable pregnancy-related causes, Mo found himself in a place with both the motivation and the determination to confront this maternal mortality crisis head-on. Mo ultimately founded InnovCares to this very end to address the concerns of women of color who are unfortunately often dismissed in healthcare settings, where in addition, many of them do not receive culturally humble and competent care, which promotes trust between patients and providers. The cumulative effect of these dynamics is diminished confidence in healthcare, misdiagnoses, improper treatment, and ultimately worse outcomes for women of color and for their babies amounting to over $32 billion in total maternal morbidity costs across U.S. births. InnovCare's platform, which has already supported over 5,000 women of color with over 10,000 virtual consultations thus far, and is backed by organizations like Andreessen Horowitz TXO Fund, Ohio Impact Fund, and Jumpstart Foundry, is designed to minimize common barriers faced by pregnant and postpartum women, by reducing costs, wait times, and transportation needs, improving patient access to essential testing and to prescriptions, providing a range of culturally competent specialists, and empowering and educating patients through easy access to online content. Mo's story is genuinely inspiring, and it was a real pleasure to learn more about his journey thus far. So please enjoy my conversation with Mohammed Kamara after a brief message from our sponsor. Lay of the Land is brought to you by Jumpstart, providing services and resources to fuel the growth of technology startups across Ohio. Jumpstart's experienced advisors offer personalized business services to help you overcome challenges and prepare to raise capital. With one-on-one -on -one advising, workshops, and accelerator programs, Jumpstart has helped thousands of entrepreneurs, many of whom we have heard from here on Lay of the Land, transition from early stage growth to venture readiness. Additionally, founders can tap into a network of resources in marketing, in software development, in finance, and in talent recruitment, all to drive their companies forward. To learn more about Jumpstart, please go to jumpstartinc.org startups to get started today. Over my time here in Cleveland, I've done my best to educate myself 
on the most kind of pressing problems that our community faces from things like, you know, the general illiteracy rates to the digital divide and lack of internet connectivity and poverty rates. But really, I think one of the the most tragic issues here here in Cleveland is this issue of maternal and uh, infant mortality, specifically for for black mothers who I, I think face death far in excess of, of every other ethnic group, in addition to being far more likely to, to lose their children. I don't mean to start off on such a somber note here, but in learning about your story and the work you're doing to address this problem, you know, both here in Cleveland, but really, you know, across the country, I found it, you know, deeply inspiring. And I, I'm excited to uh, unpack it with you here today. So thank you for coming on and uh, sharing your story. Sure. Thanks for having me, Jeff. It's very sobering knowing that a state you grew up in as a maternal is considered one of the maternal, maternal deserts. Care delivery hasn't been fair for specific groups, right? Some some groups are a little more disenfranchised when access to care for them can be sometimes not there. And mm-hmm. most of the time they can feel very anxious seeking care because they're apprehensive of past, right? They've been not treated fairly in getting care. And some of that some of that have led to bad outcomes. And so for us it's deeply rooted in the fact that we need to change that narrative. And so that narrative can look, it can look different for different ethnic groups. My wife wanted to change this narrative is because of my sister who passed away in childbirth due to pregnancy hemorrhage in Sierra Leone. And then my aunt's actually in Columbus, Ohio, died of preeclampsia. So those conditions are really what are some of the driving factors that lead to those maternal mortality. Clearly we need to we need to address it in Ohio. And Cleveland is 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 not is one of those cities that can definitely use a little more empathy in delivering care, a little more personalization and a little more thoughtfulness in ensuring that mothers are safe during that process of care delivery. Their children are thought about even though they're they're not here yet, but in the, in the delivery process, and that we're attentive to their to their needs, and we're proactive. So it's a little more. It's a, I know it's a lot to unpack, but that's the that's the entire notion of the tech. Beyond get diving a, a little bit into the technical piece, it's more so around just human nature. Have a decency in delivering care to the people that need it the most, but in a very dignified way. Mm. Yeah, and and we'll you know certainly take the time here to to unpack it in, in a lot more detail. But to you know just set the stage for the, the rest of the conversation, I think we can you know start with with the why. Always kind of a, a good place to start. You mentioned already, I think some of the formative uh, moments, parts of your life that served as as motivation for for the work you're doing now with within of cares. But I'd love to just hear from you know your perspective and reflection. You know what. What drew you to entrepreneurship as you know the right way to to solve this problem? Tell us a little bit about you know your your background and uh, and how you came to to found this organization. Yeah, my dad and my mom were entrepreneurs, so eventually I knew I was going to fall into the path of entrepreneurship. 
<laughs> um, it's just how you get there might have been a little different. But my, um, I can recall vividly, my mother owned a shop and still do own, owns a shop in Sierra Leone. And part of her well provision for us was going to Guinea, which is a nearby country in Sierra, by, um, by Sierra Leone. And she'll go there buy products, goods that are um, at a more reasonable price. Go to go back to Sierra Leone with those goods and sell them in her shop. That's how she was able to feed us. So it was just, um, and then my dad owned a cleaning company and cleans banks, daycares, churches. Right, had a couple of employees as well, and so. And knowing those two backgrounds, it was just a matter of time where my wife will will, will come into place and I'll, I'll jump as well um, into building something more impactful. And so I guess entrepreneurship is in the blood. Risk taking was uh, a little more calculated. When my sister passed, I started to want to do research, right? Because I had, had to pivot from the traditional finance, IT background to, I need to learn about women's health and what is the disparities and the gap in care delivery here and how to actually address those. So I did not probably the traditional thing that people would do, but I did that. I went down to, um, I volunteered. I was like, well, there are non-profit organizations that exist in this place that is already delivering care effectively outside of the U.S., so I went to DR Project Hope, one of those one of those nonprofits, and they were delivering care to women with, that were affected by the Zika virus in in rural DR. And so we went there, load up load up trucks with med, with medical equipment, and um, went to the rural part of um, um, DR about four hours four four to five five hours drive, and set up in the classroom. Of course, they had a the community community health center that had all the primary care, women's health, and other other specialties. But we set up in a, in, in, a, in a classroom so that we, the community can have easier access to the resources. And I was one of those guys that was taking the weight of the children and the moms, set up a medication area as well, helping the nurses. So from there, I was like, well, care delivery, people will volunteer, they'll come back to their country doctors will volunteer, will come back to their countries, but there is a gap, right? Because that patient want to continue those relationships. So the gap is how do you continue those relationships while you're still here in the States? Telemedicine can help with that, right? And so that started to linger in my head and said, okay, well, part of maternal mortality is an access problem. The second piece is a lack of resources, i.e., things that we refer to in healthcare as social determinants of health, right, that are outside of the clinic is very important. And how do we address that in a collective way? So I became, I was a CFO for behavioral health clinic down in DC in, in Ward 7 and 8. That's where we actually launched the platform. And it's from there the the work began, rolling up the sleeve and creating the tech, taking the risk of being my, my first, I'm the first, I was the first investor, which, which means that I took 40,000 out of my 401k to bet on myself. I mean, what a, what a founding, you know, impetus and, and journey. With really the scope and size of, of this problem, how do you begin to discern 
where it makes sense for you to start trying to address it in a meaningful way? And how did you approach, you know, what it needed to be to be of value originally? So there are doc side already in the US that have gaps that have maternal deserts. These are areas where there are limited access to care. OB-GYNs, some of them are really bad. Ohio is one of those states, um, yeah. fortunately. <laughs> we are there. We are, we are at the top. Um, so it's Tennessee, Georgia, Texas. So it's knowing those parameters allows you to say, okay, where is the greatest need and where can you start? Because your need have to meet so your solution has to meet a need in order for people to actually want it. And so knowing that those are the high desert area, maternal desert area, start reaching it, start first with a pilot first in, in some of those areas to prove out the concept that this can actually be something valuable. And I roll up my sleeve. And so when I went relaunch in DC, it was around, we saw a thousand, we saw a thousand, did a thousand consults between two clinics, one a patient center medical home, which you can technically refer to as an FQHC, Federal Qualified Health Center, and an OB-GYN clinic. We saw 800 patients there, and there were clear value outside even of the clinic where users needed support, right? That we refer to as now as, as health tribe. This is where moms engage with each other. They do a peer-to-peer support. So these are things, everything that's outside of the clinic is super, super essential for mothers because um, they only have 15 minutes or so for those visits. Prenatal visits are where we catch a lot of this these conditions, right? So we want to increase the number of prenatal classes that these moms are having access to so that we can be able to capture with a high hypertension very early on some of the conditions that actually lead to the so maternal mortality and then applying telemedicine, applying remote, remote monitoring, ultrasounds. So that's that's how you add value. It is around, first, I was literally studying clinicians and see how they interact with the app and what kind of value you can create. So I watched it as, as someone that would do in residency, I watched it between different specialty and kind of observe how they interact with the mobile app and actually see patients with them. So it wasn't built from Oh, I'm in a, I'm in my office. This is what I think it should be. It was underground. This is what clinicians actually need and go build and build alongside them. And so just to help paint a picture of what this looks and feels like in, in practice, take us through the, the, the functionality, if you will, of, of what the beginning of this app looked like and, uh, the, the kind of experience that, that folks would have who, who are using it. Yeah. So again, there's two mobile apps. One of them is the, at the center of the mom's journey. They're just discovering the first time that they, they're getting, they've gotten pregnant or, or wanting to get pregnant. We had actually a unique case where we had a patient that is in Ohio who was having a very hard time getting pregnant and had an OB-GYN that was being extremely dismissal of her needs. And so she reached out on the app, find, found a OB-GYN physician that was very culturally sensitive. They connected, Dr. Allody was one of those clinicians, they connected. He told her a treatment plan for her infertility. He also then prescribed prenatal vitamins, which we actually sent to the patient's home. Fast forward, he told her a treat, uh, the treatment plan was around when she will have a cycle, 
went uh, went to went to engage in, in sexual intercourse, and to know that most of most of it, it, it it's not it's not just on her; it's also on on the on her husband, and the twenty percent they don't they don't know right, and so she was. It gave her a little confidence to say, okay, I'm going to follow this procedure, this recommendation from the clinicians. And then three months after she took the physician that she's pregnant, nine months after her, um, her son was here, that's the level of impact. The patient journey it is, first, they're completing an assessment virtually, and there we're capturing a lot of data around their, their risk factors, their need for housing, food insecurity, safety, right? Because... We want the mom to be safe if that's if they're pregnant. Yeah, they they need for mental health needs. So thinking through those components, that's the assessment. The assessment is completed. Of course, then um, it's reviewed by the clinician, and then the first OB visit takes place. Also, that OB visit OB visit. That's where we then engage. Right, we deliver. We work with clinics and outpatient clinics, and as well as hospitals. We have a kit that we give them to the give to the clinics and the clinics can give the, the kit to the moms. And in the end is the we will monitoring tools as well for the for the for the for the patients that they can monitor them at, at home. What it allows for the clinics is one, it's a way for them to be able to identify risk factors very early on because they can see this in the, their dashboard now. But it's also for the clinic is also a way for them to be able to expand their reach and increase then their patient population. Hmm. So re- really, it, from the prenatal to the postpartum experience, it, it kind of maps the whole maternal care journey for, for someone going through this process. Exactly, exactly. Because again, it's not just prenatal when they come in, postpartum, intrapartum is where we actually infuse doulas, right, to help with that delivery process. Because maybe, maybe a mom may need a doula to help with that, their de- delivery day to help them with their needs outside of the clinic, they can act as that, that much of the care navigator. Then the clinic, if they have a birth plan and they want, the doula can be a, the extension to advocate for her on her delivery. In that, in that first round of, of pilots that you did, I'm curious how much of your learnings from all the observations that you got to do, how much of it just validated that you were on the right track and how much of what you learned was surprising and, and kind of had you, you know, reorient if, if at all, you know, anything that was surprising that you took from what you were able to observe there. Yeah. We, we learned, we learned that certain specialties have more appetite for, for remote monitoring and um, telemedicine and support groups. There's some, some specialties that weren't, you know, were not, were already at work. So I believe we're, what we're doing is we're changing the narrative and bringing um, machine learning and AI into the obstetric space, which is more predictive analysis, predicting the risk before it gets it gets 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 worse, um, and empowering the clinician with data so that they know exactly what's happening with the patient at all times, and they can then deploy the right resources to care for that patient. Rather than being surprised, like oh, mom have preeclampsia now, there are certain things that her food, right, her food intake, we capture, mm. we monitored her blood, her blood pressure, so that these things, this, these are things that that lead to her risk of preeclampsia. Because then those are things that in the model we then start predicting. So the things that this is a previous risk, and this is all the her nutritional information, 
a biometric data, all of that, all of that information, and this is what can lead to a risk, high risk of preeclampsia and other condition. So we're doing a lot of modeling, but then we then report that back in a simplified form um, report, and then the dashboard as well clearly shows those two. Mm. Another thing is mom needs to monitor the child, the activities of the child remotely. It's a way empowered clinicians to be able to do that through an ultrasound. So instead wow. of you going into the office for an ultrasound, now you can do an ultrasound at home. So with, with that, you know, uh, initial product and, and offering built out, can you take us from there through just, you know, the, the evolution of, of the business uh, of InnovCares? You know, where, where are you today? How has how is everything transpired? And what, what, is, what, are, what are you focused on at the moment? Yeah, so for us, it's, it's also one of the, in, in building a sustainable business, is finding out who is going like, to ultimately pay for it, right? It's super crucial in this, in this journey. In the early years, it's around proving that it works because so they can have enough data to convince who's going to pay for it. That's the evolution of healthcare. <laughs> <laughs> and so we've done the, we then, then we started to for sell to employers and we learned that employers, yes, they love it, but there's the payer, the health insurance payer, or the ultimate people that write the check. So you're like, hey, we like it, we need to partner up with the, with the payer. Like, okay, well, we know who ultimately is, is the one that pulled the plugs in this space. And their incentive is to reduce maternal mortality because they're getting penalized for that. And they need to win RFP to win business through the, through the government, through their RFP process. And they need a differentiated product differentiation. And so we are that. We sell to them directly. We partner up with those, with those payers. One of them is HGSC Texas or Blue Cross Mutual Texas. And we did a lot with launch with them in um, in Dallas, and also we'll be launching with them here in, in Hildago, which is south of Texas. And one of our partner in Oven Hog in Dallas is Healing Hands Women's Health Clinic. Their incentive is they want to. Ex- it's a beautiful clinic, beautiful um, federal qualified health center clinic. They have a OB guy in a family practice, an eye doctor place as well, a, ph- a, pharma- a pharmacy in the building. But what they lack is the infrastructure, technology infrastructure, and we're that. Mm. So each point you're discovering the value that you bring to those, um, the payer pays for it, but the value that you bring to the clinic and why they say yes is because they don't have a great technology infrastructure. And that's what we provide. Mm. Relative to the, I guess what you would call the, the status quo today, uh, you know, understanding there, there is this gap that, that exists. How, you know, are they even kind of actively tracking these kinds of, of problems and working to solve them today? You know, what, what has been available to payers, employers, all the stakeholders to address this problem? And if there isn't something, you know, why, why, why has that been the, the case? And, and uh, I mean, obviously that, that creates the opportunity for, for what you're doing, but, you know, just curious what, I don't know if it's competition necessarily, but what are the alternatives that have been available, if any? Well, they, they didn't seem to be working. Whatever the alternatives are, they, 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 want, they, they aren't working. And that, that's increasing. And I think what has been the missing piece is actually not doing a lot of talking in this space and actually using data to be able to prove out that the, where the problem is. And that's probably the gap where... A lot of solu- solutions come in, they sell to insurance period, and like, this is what we can do, and there's no customization. What we uniquely do is that we can customize. We can, you can be a 
we can be a, a true top partner alongside with you and customize dashboards based on the needs. And then we can, in evolution, we can grow with you as well, right? And that's what, that's what makes us unique as a company, that we are true top partners with these payers. They like to collaborate with us because we're actually amendable to their needs and customize. And then that's the same thing for the clinics we point out with as well. So I think that our, 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 our superpower per se is the fact that we're nimble, we listen deeply to customers, we help get them a solution that they're happy with through customization. Mm. And so ultimately, with all the work that, that you've done so far and, and raising some capital for, for the business as well, you know, painting a picture for, for what you know, that future looks like if InnovCare is, is able to achieve the vision that, that you would like for it to achieve, what does that you know, future exactly look like? What, what are the, you know, obviously in service of closing this gap, reducing maternal mortality rates, but how are you thinking about the overall healthcare experience and how you know, it's fundamentally to be altered for, for women, for women of color, for families uh, involved, for all, all the, the folks in the, in the process? It is a world where moms feel dignified regardless of their ethnic background or, or socioeconomic status. They feel as though they are heard and listened to. They can walk into a clinic and not feel tensed that, oh, this I'm going to be judged because of the way I speak and I'm not going to be listened to. That's the narrative that they can have a peace of mind. Just like everybody else that goes into a hospital, they have a peace of mind that that person is going to be a true advocate and they don't have to defend themselves, right? To try to get a message across that I have a pain. You need to listen to that pain and I help me solve that pain because I am the best part of that solution as well, right? It's, it's my body and you are a thought partner in treating it. You have gone to medical school, but you don't understand my unique body either. There are different parts of my body that you probably have spent a lot of time studying, but you're ultimately not the source and expert in, 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 that, in my body. I am the source and expert. So we are going to collaborate as top partners to be able to solve this together and bring, up, bring out a healthy baby and a life into this world. So what does that look like? Dignified care. Distancy in this, in this world, right? And that's, that's all that, that we're all, all fighting towards, so that those moms can not feel stress. Because when you, when you create an environment where it's already stressful for that mom, they're, they're already dealing with an unknown life. Yeah. <laughs> Bringing life into this world, it's very unknown, it's very tragic, it's very scary. And now you, on top of that, you're judging them and you're not listening to them and they feel paralyzed, which means they don't want to even come into your hospital more disparity, they may have transportation issues, but how do you uniquely solve for those things? It's with a lens of empathy. Empathy goes a far better way and then be among that a, a, a true thought partner. So it's a, it's a world where I feel at peace that I, as a mom, I can go and as a family that supporting that mom, we are gonna be listened to we're going to have a, a true thought partner that is collaborative and that can actually help us bring this happy child into this world and we all celebrate. With, with that vi vision in mind, what is the delta? You know, what, what are the barriers uh, that you have to overcome to achieve it? And what do you think are the, the stages of evolution that InnovCares will go through in the, 
approach of, of solving this problem? So there's always a need for fuel, right? Just like in a car before you can go from point A to B, you need some kind of fuel. So we've been very strategic in what type of fuel that we we push and the lever. So that means when we're looking for thought, for partners, capital partners, they have to be alongside the same vision as us to eradicate this maternal mortality, truly. And what that, what, what that, what that look like is to have a thought partner that actually care, gives a damn about this issue. Not just, I'm going to give you a capital and run away. It's actually someone that will all up the sleeve. Because yo, ultimately, when you say yes and be on that cap table, you, you and I are working together, right? You walk, like they are, we walk, we walk together and you're now an employee of enough cares. <laughs> and so you're going to roll up your sleeve and make no sales call, just like I'm rolling up my sleeve and making no sales call. So, because we all want to solve the same issue and, and then potentially exit, right? Yeah. So I'm going to, I have accountability as well. I'm going to hold you to those accountability that you and I are working together. This is our principles that we are going to work together that you're going to, you're going to, you're going to act as my salesperson as well. I'm a sales guy. <laughs> so I don't know sales. I have to learn sales on the job. So you are my salesperson as well to get open those doors as we go. So because we need fuel in this space in order to be able to get to the different states like Louisiana, high, high maternal desert area, Georgia, Ohio, to have those people that actually want to, want to solve this issue. It's having capital as well to hire the right people that. Uh, mission-driven individuals that want to solve this alongside us. And from there, how does the business grow and evolve? Is it in a, you know, in a geographic mechanism? Is it in the, the amount of services that you're able to offer? How do you think about, how do people even interface with, with InnovCares and, and know that it is available to them to, to use? Yeah, so again, we partner up with great payers, that want to solve this issue. And so they'll find out, find out from us through that, that lens. And they also can pull us up online and we're available on iOS and Android. We have doulas, midwife, other clinicians on, on in the app, culturally sensitive clinicians. And then we also have support groups as well that allow the mom to engage with each other, deliver medication to patients' home. So seeing all this, the growth itself is is unlocking the potential of a partner like a, a pair that exists, right? Because HGSC Texas alone, of local sectors, has 6.8 million members. We can touch and change the lives of Texas women through those relationships. And that's how we unlock the, the opportunity, right? To be able to create big impact with partnering with payers. What do you foresee as the biggest challenges uh, on the road ahead? Capitalism is always a, always a headache. Um, they never, when you, when you find a company, they never tell you that you're also the chief financial, um, chief fundraising officer. They left that out of the job title. Right? <laughs> <laughs> they should actually have that there. You are a CEO or founder, but you're the chief fundraising officer. And so if you can't fundraise, you die. And so is your, you, so is your mission. But so, being able to maneuver that with traction and showing that you're, you're creating impact as well. It's a nice little dance. And so we're, we're dancing around right now with that. And hopefully we can, we can continue to have partners like A16Z, capital partners like A16Z um, and others, Ohio Impact Fund, 
there in Columbus and Jumpstart Foundry in Tennessee to be, continue to be alongside this journey. So we invite other people as well that care about this mission, um, that are capital, par- capital partners that want to join us along this journey, right, to create an impact for moms. And it's not, again, the returns are going to be tremendous too because it's not just life you're changing, which is very important, but you are, there is financial returns as well that you'll get by creating this impact through an exit with a pair or strategic exit, exit, exit elsewhere. That makes sense. In addition to all the uh, long tail set of responsibilities and titles that come with CEO founder that um, you didn't know maybe came with the job, are there other things that you've learned along the journey so far of, of building this company that, that you wish you knew, you know, when you, when you had started it, that you know now? Absolutely. You are wearing many hats. And one of those hats, again, as we said, is the chief fundraising officer, chief people officer. You got to attract people to be able to help you to build and take care of them. It's very important. You didn't know that you were you going to be a chief people officer. because Maybe you never, you probably only take maybe one human resource class in college. <laughs> maybe you pay attention um <laughs> if you didn't pay attention now then lord have mercy maneuvering those relationships and doing it with grace and empathy and having those values that are a lot that you that, that you stick by and you hold yourself accountable to in the company as well it's super important i, I think for, for us another role i didn't know as well well thankfully i had that skill set was being the cfo of the company too um, <laughs> as you build, of course, those you start delegating those roles. But before you are all of them, you're the chief product officer too. Coding was part of my the early, early days of building the tech. I didn't know, I didn't think I, I would ever use a degree, a minor in computer programming. Right? <laughs> to, 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 I was like, man, I'm never going to use this. I just, I guess I was, I wasn't bored in it. Clearly I was busy in uh, OSU, but. It was a skill set that came handy to build in the web version of the app. And then now I can actually understand the software engineers that are building too, because that's the important piece that you can empathize with those people. And you can just say, why can't you kill or build a new feature in a day? It takes time. <laughs> it actually takes time. So don't, don't, not having that empathy from that product, product engineer point of view and not being close to customers super important to understand that aspect as well that the building and coding takes a lot of time and effort it is you you grow to empathize with the, the software engineers in your team yeah so all all all, all saying you wear a few hats and you pray to god that you are continuing to learn um mm. and you execute with grace what do you wish other people knew about this space and the work that you're doing that you find either they have misconceptions about or just are completely unfamiliar with overall? It's a great question because most people, when they say, they were like, if someone um, asks me, is this a nonprofit? Do you raise money? Is this? Yes. So the company is (laughs) venture-backed. It is venture-backed. It is a for-profit. And it is a for profit with a heart, with heart, and so we're changing the narrative to help expand care for the people that oftentimes are ignored in this in this um, healthcare space. Um, so very key on that mission, and surprisingly, 
there's a lot of lot of uh, return that will come from that mission, right? 1.3 billion people. Um, it's a 1.3 billion opportunity, right, to be able to serve those 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 uh, individuals in terms of when you think about the market. So it's really big enough, right, to be able to grow and create a niche within not just all women, because we again we focus on all women, but whatever with a specialization on women of color. So that is just mm-hmm. not black; it's also Hispanic, right, indigenous women, um, Asian women. We use the term women of color because. It is looking from building from that that inclusive point of view. And that's where I um I've always want to be raised very that inclusive and even just personally. That's how my family have raised me to be thoughtful of others, be inclusive. My friends are very diverse as well, just not just in ethnic, well as well as top thoughts. So building a company to really carry that lens as well and and be able to impact women of color and change that narrative for their care, care delivery process. Hmm. I, I think you've, you've painted a, a great picture, you know, speaking to the, the care part of, of the puzzle, you know, from assessment, telemedicine, ultrasounds, you know, I- engagement, monitoring. I'm curious on the, the flip side of the coin, how much of the problem overall is is a problem of of education and the community component and and how important you know that is to this this overall equation and how you weigh you know those those two pieces of it yeah i mean that's heavily part of the solution right it's a, it's being able to educate them and say why do you need to get your get your homeboy or get your significant other your boo why your lover why do you need to get them to get to that, that printed class or, or just hop on Zoom and, and do the class virtually or hop on our app and do the class virtually? Why is that important? Because it gives you comfort to ask to be able to ask the right questions during your delivery. So you hold that physician accountable and you, you hold the hospital accountable as well in that delivery process. You're empowered now. You can actually make sure that you they're doing the right things as well by you and your standards because ultimately they don't, they don't have an incentive to do the right things by you. But now you're empowered with the knowledge to keep them accountable so that you can make sure that you can, you're safe when you're delivering that baby and as well as the child that's coming out and your partner is there to advocate for you. So it is that triangle. Child is going to be coming, but the mom is empowered with knowledge to know that what's in her birth plan is followed. That The father is there. If the father is not there, the doula is there to advocate on her behalf to make sure that things are done the right way. How effective is telemedicine as a tool and, and component of, of this equation as well? I mean, te- telemedicine has always been here, but the flexibility is also doing the assessment, using AI and machine learning to get data to the patient so they feel empowered. Telemedicine, when a mom can make, can make it to the clinic and they need, still need care, they need that knowledge, create that opportunity before they come into that clinic. It lessens the work for the the providers as well because you can capture that data so that the, the the delivery itself is very seamless when they come walked into that clinic. You're not frantic. Um, you can collect. You, can, you know exactly why the patient is there, what's been bothering them, and then you can you can get you serve them effectively in a comprehensive way. It's no wonder, of course, they get frustrated because you send them this here, you send them here to go get medication, preventative care over here. It's all over this place. And then mom is exhausted and be like, forget it. I'm not doing that. Mm. 
where the gap that's where the gap exists so now you're serving them comprehensively and within the app as well you're serving them comprehensively because it's not just the interaction between the mom and the resources that's supported in the patient app there's also the the provider act physicians doulas midwife primary care doc behavioral health specialists that are working in tandem as a collective team supporting that single mom to deliver that care right that's meaning a single patient to deliver that care you've you've spoken to examples of what in practice that this looks like i'd love to hear just any other salient you know stories you've you've heard from patients that speaks anecdotally to you know their their experience and and the outcomes that you're you're hoping to drive with with the platform with 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 patients yeah absolutely i think for us one of the things that's important that we look at is like uh most of our mom that are seen is 65 percent are seen by doulas were insured were insured by uh, Medicaid, right? So a fourth of those moms, 28 percent, stated that they would not have received care if virtual care was not available. Nearly 99 percent felt treated with respect by their provider. Super important. The majority of those patients served were pregnant moms, 54 percent, and then 38 percent were um, postpartum moms. So we conduct continuity of continuity of care, right? After the delivery, it's super important to treat them. So I also monitor them at postpartum because that's where a lot of the deaths happen as well. So it's not just before delivery, but after delivery, very essential. And so when we th- when you think of care delivery itself, it is those nuances that patients are saying matters. If a fourth of the women, 28% said they will not have received care, virtual care was not available, please make it available. It's super important. And so we listen to those very deeply. And that, that's, why we, that's why we exist. Mm. What, what are you most excited about, you know, with uh, an eye towards the future? It is the fact that we can really change the narrative for care for the most vulnerable population. That, that excites me. And we will, I hope that one day we'll not repeat the same thing that caused my sister to die, my aunt to die. And so that's what motivates me. And it's my why, my North Star. It's why people think I'm crazy enough to build in this space and I'm a man, but I come alongside this space as an advocate. I just have a willpower to build, to make sure that moms are respected throughout this, that treated with dignity throughout the entire pregnancy journey and postpartum. Wow, that's powerful. I think we you know, covered a, a lot of ground here. I'm curious, Again, in reflection on on the whole journey so far, either you know personally as you reflect on it, or you know from from the business side itself, if there are any things unsaid, you know that that we haven't touched on that that you think are are particularly important as part of of the story. I think Ohio, we we are working to get into Ohio. It's probably I am I am a local. I grew up in Ohio and. It sometimes can be daunting to know that I'm servicing and supporting moms in Texas, Texas, Texan moms, and not bringing the same same service to Ohio moms um, that needed desperate. Mm. So hopefully, that when I speak to you next, that narrative will, will have changed. That there's a need here. Whoever the gatekeepers are, get out of the way. Let's solve this issue and let's stop talking about it. Yeah. I mean, I certainly hope so. <laughs> I'm going to do what I, what I can to, to help make it happen. Well, I think we can, we can bookend it with our, our, our traditional closing question here, which is, 
you know, completely unrelated to <laughs> anything we've uh, talked about so far, but it is for uh, a hidden gem in Cleveland, something that, you know, other folks may not know about, but maybe they should. I love food. And so <laughs> if you haven't gotten the chance to, uh, to indulge in African cuisine, do a little Google search. There's a few African restaurants in the space as well that uh, it is to kill for. The food is yummy. You'll be surprised that Cleveland has a lot of food to offer as well. That ethnically diverse. I was also struck by the fact that there's stuff to do in Cleveland because I came in here. You know the poor narrative that's been in this space because LeBron left everybody, uh, all the <laughs> supposed level stores and businesses left with him. Whatever that narrative is, I walked into that Cleveland thinking that, like, well, now I was challenged to say, let me come in with an open mind and discover for myself. And I'm like, okay, Cleveland, so Cleveland, you're solid. It's a good city, and looking, looking, looking to discover more and more things here. Amazing. Thank you again, Mo, for you know coming on and uh, sharing a little bit more about yourself and the work that you're doing, which uh, again is really inspiring and and important. Thanks, Joe. Really appreciate you um, inviting me on and having this dialogue. Absolutely. If folks had anything that they wanted to follow up with you about, what would be the the best way for for them to do so? When I am an open book, I feel as I, I get. Calls, or you can reach me at Enough Cares. So M Kamar at enoughcares.com. You can reach me, reach me directly as well. Oftentimes, I think myself, some ways it's available to. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm probably more active on LinkedIn than on our social media platforms. There's a podcast too, as well that we do called the Empowered Patient Podcast. So you can reach us there in terms of learning and listening to some of the guests that we've spoken to in this space, some of the few venues to reach us. Amazing. Well, thank you again. Thanks, Jack. That's all for this week. Thank you for listening. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show. So if you have any feedback, please send over an email to jeffrey at layoftheland.fm or find us on Twitter at podlayoftheland or at sternhefe, J-E-F-E. If you or someone you know would make a good guest for our show, please reach out as well and let us know. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or on your preferred podcast player. Your support goes a long way to help us spread the word and continue to bring the Cleveland founders and builders we love having on the show. We'll be back here next week at the same time to map more of the land. The Lay of the Land podcast was developed in collaboration with the Up Company LLC. At the time of this recording, unless otherwise indicated, we do not own equity or other financial interests in the company which appear on the show. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of any entity which employs us. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.